Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this week we have a very special guest on the show. His name is Cage Sparks, and we will be talking about the great adventures of Slick Rick by Slick Rick the Ruler, aka MC Ricky D. And that album is from 1988. Yes, that's 28 years ago. So the reason we're doing it right now is a few days after this podcast goes out, the ruler is coming back to London from where he was born. And hopefully we may be going to the concert as well. But even if we're not, and we'll get into those reasons why later... We did. <laughs> yeah. We both got some pretty absurd reasons, basically, of why we might not be able to make the concert. But because we both bought tickets, and we genuinely might not be able to make it, even though we've waited like fifteen years. Let's not get off track. Anyway, yeah. um, Cage, how you doing, man? What's good, Jesso? Happy to be back here on the show, man. Good, good, good. And especially to be talking about Slick Rick, as you know, is definitely one of my favorite MCs of all time. Yeah, for sure. Um, So today we will be talking about The Great Adventures of Slick Rick. However, there there will be some kind of circular discussion about some of his other albums and works and and singles and stuff like that. So what are your opening thoughts on this album? I mean, I think when you look at this album, it's it's one of those hip-hop defining albums. But I think also Slick Rick is one of those artists. And I was actually thinking about this earlier today, um, that he's pretty much unique in terms of there's no one who's ever been able to really emulate his style i mean if you even look at artists like nas jay-z um snoop dogg or any other artists like that you can easily think of other mcs who've maybe tried imitating his style but slick rick i think is is definitely one of those few artists if any um that is completely unique in terms of no one's even tried to to come with a similar style to his so for me the the album really captures a lot of different things. It, it captures his ability as, as a great writer, a great storyteller, his ability to be able to morph into different characters, um, whether it's male, female, white, black, robber, cop, and and basically also to, to do it in a way that, that just resonates. I mean, I think he has an impeccable sense of humor. And also his music kind of has this underlying universal theme about it, where it's neither trying to preach nor is it trying to um, over-dramatize bad things that have happened in life. It's, it's just a beautiful um, conceptual uh, album for me. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you've just said. And um, I mean, my own very brief opening thoughts on it. For me, this is one of my favorite albums of all time, any genre. Like I would rank this um, as one of the greatest albums of all time in any genre of music, um, just simply because you can still listen to it today and it's still, it just sounds so fresh and so incredible. But also the impact it had on, on hip-hop, it completely revolutionised it in a period where there were so many artists revolutionising hip-hop. Um, but this did it in... I guess this kind of elevated the role of the MC in a lot of ways, to be honest. And... But not just that, I don't know, the music on it was incredible as well, absolutely brilliant. And the songwriting and it's not, I, I think I think sometimes people associate the word storyteller with Slick Rick a bit too much. He's not just a, sto- a storyteller, you know, that guy could do it all. Like he could do everything and better than most other rappers, like for a long period of time. I mean, if you're comparing um, from like 87 to 93, that kind of, there, there weren't too many 
better than him. And, you know, he went away for a long time as well, so which we'll get into later. I think also the, the thing that, that's amazing is, is that his flow, his 1988 flow, still sounds fresh in 2016. And I think that's what's amazing about him, whereas a lot of other MCs, as great as they are, they couldn't flow that same way that they were flowing in nineteen in, in the eighties, and it still be considered necessarily hip. Of course, you still go and check them out um, when they're performing, and you love those songs. But it's almost like he has a a timeless flow, which is one of his key strengths. Yeah, and, and uh, that's so on point. And the thing is, is that if you're kind of a bit younger and and i mean obviously you and i we were we were just kids at that time so we didn't know anything we got into hip-hop a bit later and stuff so fair enough um i mean my, my first exposure to slitrick was when he kind of got back out of jail like about around i think he got out of about 96 or something like that and and then he started jumping on various um remixes to songs and kind of getting back into the game and stuff like that so um but yeah then it then it took me a, a few years after that like maybe three years or something after that to catch up and um and it just quickly became i was only about 18 19 maybe around the time and and it suddenly just became one of my favorite albums one of my favorite artists and the fact that he was born in london and then went to to the us when he was a kid you know that just added this whole mystique to him and and um yeah but i mean should we start getting into the album sure i think so um that first track wow I mean, for me, firstly, like when you look at it, I mean, or just a song title, Treat Her Like a Prostitute. Who starts <laughs> Who starts their album with such a song? So initially, especially I, I think it's one of, one of the rawest tracks on the album. But I think also what he was trying to do with this was almost to lure you in to the project. And he almost even says it at the start where he kind of says, excuse me, what can I have your attention? There's just a few things that I've got to mention. So he's already kind of like laying the, the, the scenario of what's to happen and what he's trying to do with the track. But yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those songs when you hear it, you're just like, Whoa. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, in the interests of fairness and balancing things out, then if you're going to look at it through um, the 2016 kind of sensibilities, the, the landscape has changed in terms of political correctness and misogyny and feminism and everything like that. So you could look at it now and be like, oh, this is just such a misogynistic song, blah, blah, blah. But actually, there are there are far deeper levels to the song, I think. And I, I, I totally agree. And I totally I'm, agree. I'm trying not to sound like an apologist for Slick Rick because I love him and I love the album. Uh, I, I'm just trying to look at this objectively, that this is not about degrading women. It's about empowering men. At least that's what I got from it. It's basically... You, like I, I think I think you know I, I've said it on this podcast before. I think like you know my first girlfriend. I was a sucker for love. That whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I remember them stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know I, I kind of you know I got I did I got completely played for a fool. I can say it. this is a long time ago now. You know, so whatever. And and he's kind of cautioning against that. He's being look, don't get played. You know, just before you throw yourself into something wholeheartedly, just take a step back, assess the situation, look at the girl, think, okay, is this worth my kind of getting into properly? That's that's really what the moral of this tale is. Now, okay, I understand calling the song Treat Her Like a Prostitute and the kind of tales inside of it, um, you know. But, but, but then you also have to look at it, and I think that's where you have to look at it from the context of the album because he also has a song later on called Teenage Love, which is the complete opposite of this song. 
So if he's able to do a song like Teenage Love, but then at the same time to treat her like a prostitute, I think he's trying to show you the different sides of the woman and love. And also when you now break down the three verses and then each verse, he's giving you um, different scenarios of a woman, um, which if the guy had done his um, the necessary background check, probably would not have engaged in you know, in a marriage with the person. So like, for example, in the first verse, he's basically breaking down every single man's worst horror mm. is having a wife and you find out that the kid later down the line is not yours. And from just from an evolutionary standpoint, Charles <laughs> uh, Darwinian point of view, that's the last yeah. thing anybody wants, you know, is, yeah. is, is your genes not being able to pass to be passed on. And you're now basically taking care of, of, of one of your rival's um, kids. And I think that's the context that you have to look at it in the song. But he frames it with the title of Treat Her Like a Prostitute to get the message across in the rawest form possible. So it hits you. But then now when you listen to it, he's now he gives he breaks it down verse by verse. And one of the things that I love with Slick Rick, and I think he does it far better than nearly any other rapper, is his use of the three verses to create these three different stories, but then still have this overarching theme where it all ties in. That's a brilliant point. Um, I mean, those are reasons why Slick Rick is the ruler. And yes. on track number two, the ruler's back. This is probably, I don't know, I kind of flip-flop on this song, but um, not this song, but I flip-flop on what is my favourite song from the album. And this is definitely up there. The ruler's back is one of my favourite, favourite songs. And... Um, it was produced by Jam Master J of Rum DMC fame, um, and like he he was one of my idols actually growing up. He's the reason I wanted to be a DJ, to be honest, from the age of six. So, um, it, like it, it's funny, I always kind of forget that he produced this, but it's just such an incredible beat. the The beat is just perfect, and and the the kind of things that Slick Rick does on this song, just vocally and the humor on it and the just the complete and arrogance. The you know, people say that I'm arrogant sometimes. I know you said that to me before frequently. <laughs> Listen, but, my level of arrogance compared to Slick Rick's level uh, level on this song is just like the guy's a Jedi. You know, absolutely incredible. And how young was he when he released this? Was he what, nineteen, twenty, something like that? Twenty one or something, I think. Shit, man. The, I mean come on. But then also I think with this, uh, what's so great about it is even how he starts it. And I, and that's another thing that I love about Slick Ricks mm. is, is the way he starts a lot of his songs where he kind of creates these theatric pieces to bring you into the mood of it. Where he, you know, I don't know, it's like Richard of Nottingham yeah. and then he's playing around with his voice. And it's kind of like Robin Hood meets, you know, the Sheriff of Nottingham type of, type of vibe. And he's now finally come to conquer the land. And to get rid of all these, you know, MCs who are trying to emulate his style, even though this was his first album. So that's kind of like the ironic aspect of it, where he's saying the ruler's back, where I'm kind of like, but where did he ever go? You know, but yeah. I think every, everything he can, he talks a lot of shit, but he backs it up, <laughs> basically. But, but then I think also one of the things I love about him also is his kind of passive aggressive style. Yeah, because like even like, let's say on certain parts of the verse, like where he's like, for jealous, 
for jealousy and envy yeah. at dumb one's tool. So Ricky says nothing. He keeps his cool. Revenge is not a mission that the ruler's on. Just forgiveness required for the wrong that's done. So he's still kind of bragging, but at the same time, he's still kind of like shaking your hand and saying, hey, no, you know, it, it's all good, homie. It, you know, let, let, let's, just, let's just kick it. Let's just have fun. And I think that's another of his talents is where he'll almost insult you, but at the same time, kind of give you a compliment. And I mean, he does it in a very artful way. You know, it's a very English thing to do, to be honest. Yes, he'd be an Aikido master, Steven Seagal in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I think we have to give a quick shout out to Jay Z as well, because obviously he sampled this song very heavily on the blueprint. Um, I mean, which version do you prefer? <laughs> 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 no, and just in case um, Slick Rick ever was to hear this podcast, I, obviously I'm going to go with the, the Slick Rick, the Slick Rick no, version. No, you but. can you can say the J version if you like. <laughs> you know, to be honest, in terms of the unique flow, I would still have to say, like there's parts of this on the ruler's back um, where he flows in a way, and as an MC, I'm just like, this shit is fucking phenomenal, like. The way he pronounces words, the way he finds pockets in the beat. And Jay-Z, The Ruler's Back is a great song, but it doesn't... I mean, there was nothing on The Ruler's Back on there where I was like, he's revolutionized a flow or something so unique on it. You know, it was, it was a great song. The beat was amazing. Mm. The trumpets on that song, I think, were done... Um, I think it's just Blaze who did the beat, right? On The, on the Ruler's Back for Jay-Z, on The Blueprint. Yeah, I think it was just Blaze. Uh, it might have been Bink, I'm not sure. Yeah. But no, I'll go with the Slick Rick version. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for you? me, it's the Slick, Slick Rick version by a mile, <laughs> by an absolute mile. Yeah, it was Bink. Sorry, I just checked. It was Bink who did okay, the Ruler's Back. Yeah, I thought so. Now, if you're talking about classic songs in... Forget album, forget everything else. If you talk about classic songs in hip-hop history that completely revolutionized the whole genre and inspired a whole nother generation, then track number three, Children's Story, is one of those founding fathers. It's up there with anything. And I, I still maintain that you could put this out today, with modifying it slightly, but you could still put it out today and it would hit. It would just hit the spot in every single way. Probably easily one of the top five greatest songs in hip-hop history. Yeah. People talk about like the world is yours and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff, but but I don't know the the, the people seem to have just forgotten about songs like Children's Story, you know maybe like we've discussed it on Public Enemy podcast. Me and Rashad talked yeah. about it, and like he he sort of says that basically if um if you didn't make it to that kind of like ninety seven to ninety nine era of MTV, then you no longer exist in people's memories now and slick rick effectively didn't i mean don't get me wrong art of storytelling came out in 99 and, and it sold healthily but it wasn't like it yes. had like huge giant singles and stuff like that um so maybe that's why slick rick is kind of like a bit of a lost treasure for the for the you know younger generations and stuff like that and also to think it's also because maybe he's not i mean think about it since 1999 he hasn't released any albums no which is a tragedy, by the way. But then a lot of the greats haven't, which which always I always find kind of interesting and curious because I'm sure they're consistently recording. Why why not you know release? I mean, like for, for their core fans who still want to to obviously buy buy their new works, unless of course it's a, a thing about maybe spoiling their legacy and and they just want to leave it like that. 
But it's something I'm always curious about because I know for the last 16 years, I mean, and he was still in his prime on his last album that he dropped in 99. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, he, I've often referred to it and people get a bit bored of me talking about it, but there's a song called Auditorium by Most Deaf on uh, The Ecstatic. And that came out, I think it was in 2008 or 2009. And Slick Rick features on that. And his verse on that is just so good. And it's like, why can't we get a Slick Rick album? Like, why? You know? Because I, I think he, yeah. and because I, I, I really think he would, and that's also another thing. And I suppose we'll go and discuss that. Um, a bit later in terms of him going to prison, but I just imagine some of the albums that he would have yeah. released. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think he, you know, he, he would definitely be maybe at, at Jay-Z levels because he has a, such a pulse on what's current. Hmm. His ability to make music that is timeless because obviously he's, um, he's discussing topics that are universal and that do not go out of fashion or style. Yeah, so you can put on a song like Children's Story 100 years, 500 years from now, and it'll still be relevant. In many ways and shapes and forms, I think it's almost like a, like a Charles Dickens, Oliver Twist, or Alexander Dumas with, you know, the Count de Monte Cristo. It's that level of, of writing and the message in, in the song is so powerful, mm. you know? I, I completely agree. And people might be listening to us thinking, what the hell are these two guys talking about? You know, <laughs> but, but I, I absolutely maintain that this story, if you're talking about how well it's written and how well it's delivered and, and even just like the intro, you know, sitting the kids, getting the kids into bed, tucking them in and then talking and then the outro and stuff like that. And it, it, I mean, and the multiple personalities. Just, oh, the multiple personalities. The, uh, just his his vocal inflections are incredible. The way that he manipulates his voice. And, and I, if I can just go on a slight tangent, his voice is one of the best natural, quote unquote, natural voices in hip hop history. If you're talking about MCs and who has like got the greatest, most distinctive voices, there cannot be a conversation if you're not including Slick Rick. Yeah. And the fact that obviously he has his British, Jamaican. And U.S. influence, and he's kind of like mixed all three of those together. Mm. It just creates like a unique, uh, a unique blend to his voice, and and also I think, but once again, like even the message on this song, where it's kind of like a cautionary tale on on greed and ambition, but he does it in such a clever way, both from the production level, which is kind of like this cartoonish, over the top, um, um, fun you know, song, which you would be like your normal storytelling, you know, uh, whether it's Cinderella or whatever vibes that you would kind of give to the kids. But the story is then still quite dark. So you can imagine someone like DMX. Imagine if DMX was to do children's story, but now, <laughs> but now with a, with a dark beat, it would be literally a horror story, you know, yeah. because everything that he's talking about there from the fiend to the shootouts to the, the, the person almost killing the cop, all of those elements are dark elements, but he creates such a, an atmosphere around it that you just immerse yourself in the story without realizing the levels of depth of his writing. Well, if you're talking about dark stories, then track number four is probably the darkest it gets right on this album. The moment I feared. <laughs> and maybe one of my favorite songs on the album, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Which not many people talk about this song, but it's, it's an amazing song. Yeah, I completely agree. If I mean, th so so this is about um, kind of. Well, I think the really sad thing about this song is it 
it almost kind of foreshadowed what happened to him in real life. You know, he, he kind of, like, if, if we do talk about maybe his, his kind of jail stint now, um, yeah. you know, the way that he tells it is that basically he, he, can, he kind of relied on a, a family member to start giving him a bit of protection out at gigs and stuff because, you know, he was obviously catapulted to fame after this album. And, um, and then that person started extorting him and then um, Rick kind of retaliated just to kind of protect himself and got caught and, uh, and then had to do time. Yeah, and people have to also take into context a couple days before he shot his cousin and or the, the innocent bystander who got hit in it, he was actually shot at. His car was actually shot at, and that's why he had the gun on him and 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 that level of of uh, paranoia. But maybe also I think a good thing with, with with this song is now the journey, and this is now again another breakdown of why I say he's such a great writer. Where he starts off in the first verse, uh, you know, as the protagonist. And him now being in the club, his jewels on, everybody kind of like looking at him like, wow, who's this guy? And then he gets robbed. Then after he gets robbed in the second verse, he's kind of like recovering from the robbery. And now he's um, seen like this girl and her, and her boyfriend. And they've kind of like asked for directions. And he's like, oh, that's close to, to where I live. And now the girl comes to his house. So now it looks like things have gone up. He has sex with her. But then guess what? <laughs> her boyfriend now happens to come to the place. He, has, he ends up shooting the boyfriend. Yeah. And then now it's gone back again into darkness. But then now he finds out that, the, you know, the boyfriend was a drug dealer. So he's got all the, the money and, 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 and the drugs. So he's back up again. And then at the end, he's caught and he's sent to prison for life. And I think that's just such a, a powerful story. Like... And it all begins from one deviation from the path, yeah, leads you to this disaster. And, and like you said, that's kind of like what happened with his, with his own story and journey. And I, I think it's also another powerful example of the power of fear and what it can do if, if unleashed in, in the wrong way. Yeah, I think that's beautifully put. And yeah, I mean, like we said, foreshadowing his own life. And, and this is a situation where life, unfortunately, did imitate art in certain ways. Not not identically to the story, but like you said, mm-hmm. there there was just a kind of moment that went wrong for him or a couple of days that just went wrong. It's almost like a film script, you know, where yes. where everything's fine. And then, you know, just that 48 hours, everything just turns to shit. And then the rest of his life is completely derailed in certain ways, you know. Um, and it is just such a shame. I mean, can you imagine what he would have done in that time? Um, there's, there's two artists that I always think about it in that way. Slick Rick and Biggie. Those are the two artists for me where I just wished... I mean, obviously Slick Rick is still around and still alive. And if you want to, he could still release music. But I mean, if he hadn't been deviated from his path, I think he would have delivered four, five, six, eight of some of the greatest works of um, of hip-hop music. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, and I think the same point with Biggie as well, but obviously yes. for very different reasons. Um, I think if we're, just, if we're going to talk about Tupac, then I think Pac was probably starting to head more towards Hollywood at that point. Um, he was still releasing music and great albums and stuff, obviously, but I think, he, he, I think he'd kind of had enough of... Um, of death row and he's trying to exit wasn't he you know yeah and he had so much content that you still 
Yeah. You still feel like, you know, like like your whole life you've had Pac with you. You know what I'm saying? From the time you were a kid to now, it still feels like Pac has never left. Whereas with someone like, like Biggie, I mean, and we won't go into Biggie because Biggie, you know, me and Biggie is like, uh, like Slick Rick and then Biggie are probably two of the MCs that I think uh, have had the biggest influence on me. Yeah. Oh, we've got to talk about Biggie on, on Life After Death, though, because... You know, on Hypnotize, he uh, he takes the chorus from Rick, and then on Kicking the Door, he says that he's got more rhymes than Great Adventure. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you're talking about, and, and this is this is the other point, is that if you're talking about who is your favorite rapper's favorite rapper, so often the answer is Slick Rick. You know, yeah. Nas's favorite rapper, Biggie's, mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg's, this, that. So many people, you know, they just absolutely love him. They adore it. this is, and this is the album. Why? This is exactly why. Um, and it's interesting because, um, kids nowadays are still getting it, you know, they're still obviously in more isolated instance, but, you know, hopefully due to like slick coming back to England now and stuff, then maybe the word will start to spread a bit more, but I think this album's timeless. Um, (laughs) there's kind of like, I mean, I think we're going to go through track by track all the songs, but there are a couple of songs where maybe they're a bit more simple and, and we don't need to kind of overanalyze yeah. and stuff like that. The next one is probably one of those. Let's get crazy. It's just really just a party joint, isn't it? So I agree. It's just kind of like the live experience of seeing him in, in concert. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually, actually if we do make it to the gig, this would be kind of a fun one to, to kind of for him to perform. Um, but it, it's basically just, a, it's just a fun club song effectively there's no point i think the pre-chorus is genius though yeah the go, go slick rick and then go berserk but keep it keep it a limit so no one gets hurt and just the way he says it and obviously i'm i sound terrible the way i'm saying it now <laughs> i ain't doing any justice but if you hear that over the beat and how he says it it's it's fantastic yeah and he also plays with a lot of different flows on this album yes frequently yes. within the same song but but usually you know just song to song everything is there's only a couple of songs and it's actually the last two songs for me where i think it gets a, they sound a bit too similar um everything else on this is completely unique to everything else on this album it's just amazing each song just sounds so individual um yet the whole album flows perfectly so um yeah okay track number six so we're reaching the halfway point indian girl an adult story um, this is one of those songs that just cracked me up. When I, I just could not stop listening to it. When I first got this album, I was just like, this is just so funny. It's just so ridiculous, but so clever and so funny. It's just, oh. I don't know if it's just me or it's just me maybe, you know, being crazy and overthinking it. But I almost thought that there was like another deeper layer to the song where he's basically talking about um, when the white man first came to America Oh, yeah. And the Indian girl represents the natives and, and them trying to seduce, you know, the natives at the time and basically taking over their land. I mean, did you feel that as well? Yeah, I, song? I absolutely okay, did. Okay. Yeah. I mean, after I got the initial, like, you know, the initial hilarity of it, then I was kind of like, yeah, that, that was definitely what I got. Um, I'd be interested to know his thoughts on it because I, I've never read anything about it. But I said, uh, yeah. Because the last, the last two lines, it almost made it feel like then it was actually a cautionary tale on STDs. <laughs> every time I hear, every time I hear those last two lines of, of the last two, the last two lines in the song where he's like, he's seen crabs with spears and Indian drums. Um, when he looked inside, uh, you know, 
um, that just makes me cringe, which is like it's very rare actually in a hip hop hip hop song, regardless of how vulgar it is, you actually cringe. Like, but that every time you can imagine that happening to you, you know. <laughs> well, if you're talking about cringing, then there's Adult Story Part Two on uh, on the art of stor- storytelling, which is in '99. Oh, that one, oh, oh. Uh, let's just not oh. even talk about it. But Are we talking think- about the um the the, the bots um yeah the sound effects <laughs> was, on that song jesus christ <laughs> i was listening to it i was listening to it uh, again today and i was like this is really quite and i still didn't get why he made a basically made a song about anal sex yes yeah it is uh do you know what? Listen, just stop the podcast, go listen to that song, <laughs> and then come back to us. If you've never heard that song before, you just go. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So, okay, cool. um, yeah, no, I definitely think that's a pertinent point about, um, about like the white man taking over the Native Americans. And if you're talking about, but even if you talk about STDs, you know, I know you're a student of history. So, um, like, you know, frequently when, when the kind yeah. of Europeans went to, you know, South America and stuff like that, then, you know, whole populations got wiped out because of STDs, you know, um, and other diseases that were transmitted sexually or just introduced into the population. So you, you just don't know. I mean, like, the Slick Rick's so goddamn clever. It just would not surprise me if he was, like, if this was like part of the aim of it, as well as being a funny kind of dirty story. Um, I mean, I mean, it contrasts very heavily to the next song, which is, um, which I mean, oh, go on, go on. No, and just the placing of it, you know what I'm saying? So you've just ended on that, like, quite dramatic ending on Indian Girl, and then it's, like, now into the, the lead single of the album, which was Teenage Love, and it's completely different. And once again, showcasing the versatility of him, because when he, on both songs, you feel like he's being true to himself, you know? Yeah. And Teenage Love is one of those ones where it's it's funny. We were talking on another podcast. I think it was um, I think it's one that's coming out soon. Um, where Drake is basically trying to tell his generation that he invented uh, singing and rapping at the same time. <laughs> so, you know, he said this. He said this a few months ago. He's like, "Yeah, no, no rapper ever was has sung like me before." And then we were just sitting there listing how many people have done these kind of things before. Even Nas, even Nas had done it. Um, yeah. like in the nineties. Uh, like you talk about Fifty Cent, Nelly, yeah. um, Andre Three Thousand, Ja Rule, uh, going all the way back to LL Cool J. Now, okay, Slick Rick doesn't sing so much so much he does actually sing a you know some quite a bit melodic actually yeah you're right yeah yeah yeah, he does yeah uh, yeah. um but teenage love if you're talking about love songs in hip-hop then this is right near the beginning of all of that you know um and if you're talking about how great a radio single this is this is perfect i was playing this to my little cousin who's like 14 or something last week and this is the song he suddenly perked up and he was like, wow, this album's really good. And, it, and like this song spoke to him. And, um, you know, it, it is one of those universal songs. And it's a shame that it's kind of got lost a bit, I guess, you know, through the passages of time, which is natural. But 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 it is a fantastic song. I would give the song to my boys, you know. I mean, I'm going to give this album to my boys when they when they were older. But, um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on this song? I mean, I think it's it's one of those songs that from start to end is like perfectly crafted where it's, it's an amazing pop song. Yeah. Um, but still has a story all the way through it. Yeah. Still something that everybody can kind of relate to regardless of, you know, where your background is, where you're coming from. At some point, everyone's kind of had that teenage love. 
and he and he does it so artfully. I mean, I think you've had like artists, new young artists like J. Cole with his song like Wet Dreams that have kind of, you know, done, try to do similar type of songs. But I would say he's probably one of the originators, definitely Slick Rick in terms of being able to balance a song so well where it's still hip hop and pop at the same time. Yeah. And um a fun little a fun little fact before we move on to the next song. Um the music video had a cameo by Big Daddy Kane and by Little Kim, who was then unknown. So you're talking nineteen eighty. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Uh, you'll have to go check that video out afterwards. Um it's a dope video, but I don't remember seeing Lil Kim, but or maybe yeah. also because Lil Kim looked a lot different um, yeah, she then than lot she younger. does now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Understatement of the year, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um Well, if we're talking about what certain women look like, next song, Mona Lisa. So, uh what are your thoughts on this? This is <laughs> this is such a classic track. I mean, once again, it's uh, like I said, it's like everybody, this, how many artists have reinterpolated this, this song? Just countless, countless. Like, countless. Like, I was, I think I was reading something the other day where they're saying Slick Rick is one of the most sampled hip hop artists in, 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 in history. Yeah, for sure. And it's mainly down to this album, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and um, the show and Lardy Dardy, you know. So you're looking at basically 14 songs, which is continually sampled, even to this day, really. So maybe that's why he doesn't even yeah. care about. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets so much money through royalties. <laughs> because every time I see him now with his jewelry, still, I'm like, okay, like I mean, it's been 16 years since he released an album. I know he's not touring overseas because he couldn't leave the country, but I'm like, his jewelry game is still up there. Yeah, it's still crazy, man. Yeah, and he's got fashion things going on as well, and he he owns some like he owns some property, I think, in Brooklyn and stuff like that. So yeah, it's funny. I think maybe he just made some smart moves back in the day, you know. We need more albums, slick. Yes, please. Like if I could get one feature, like if you told me there's only <laughs> one artist I could have a feature from, I don't care who's number one right now. It would be Slick Rick without any hesitation. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so yeah, Mona Lisa. It's what it's one of those. Yeah, it's just one of those like completely what the fuck songs. When you listen to it and you're like, what just happened in the previous four minutes and eight seconds? <laughs> you just like, what, what did I just listen to? And then you instantly rewind it or just skip back to it and be like, okay, I need to listen to that again to figure out what the hell's just gone on because it's not immediately clear. And then there no. are a few of those songs on on this album where you do have to like even the moment I feared is one of those ones you kind of have to listen to it again. Children's Story, Mona Lisa, to to a lesser extent, Indian Girl, and you you have to kind of these stories don't they're so intricate and Mona Lisa is just genius. And you <laughs> like, you know, the, the, the interpolation of like, if you see me walking down the street. <laughs> yeah. By, by Dan Wal- yeah. That's, that's, I'm, and the way he sings it. But I think another thing with slick Rick is he almost does his stories like in parable form. I think he's like very much influenced in how he writes, you know, the songs and the concepts in that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so so what do you think Mona Lisa is a parable about then? It's 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 one of those where it could mean so many different things, man. To be honest, it's like it's one of those songs I always listen to and I just keep flip-flopping between different uh views and perspectives. So it's it's one of those that now I just kind of just I just enjoy it. Yeah. 
I don't even try over analyzing it. It's and it's a song that you can listen to a thousand times, and each time you you feel like you're gaining something different. Which I suppose, in a way, is kind of how you are. I mean, anyone who's been to the Louvre and actually looked at the painting Mona Lisa, it is kind of that. It looks so simple, and you wonder why are people so in awe of this picture? Why this picture um, above others? But then it's this, you know, the subtle differences, the the painting of it so i think with with this song it's 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 one of those it's just on an emotive emotional level you just connect with it and you might not necessarily be able to explain what it is same thing when you look at the mona lisa but you just feel something yeah i think that's an amazing point um i think the one thing i really love about the song is the sarcasm it's just such a sarcastic song and i'm such a sarcastic person so I, that's why i really connected to it <laughs> but you need to add the word bastard after <laughs> <laughs> let's just be I'll, honest I'll just so. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i won't deny it i'm a street rider uh, <laughs> um okay track number nine it's called kit what's the scoop now this is one of those ones where i have to admit kind of when i when i first kind of heard the album and you know kind of was getting into it i was kind of like mm, i'm not really sure about this song um it kind of plays on night rider and Kit is is the kind of robotic computer thingy in Knight Rider that drives it all around shit. And, you know, he's kind of telling a bit of a, a bit of a funny story about, oh, you know, certain things that he needs Kit's help and all this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a perfectly fun song. And I think it appeals to a certain demographic. And it was quite on the money because Knight Rider, the, the program, was so hot around that time. Um Ouch. I'm not sure it's one of those tracks that, a- that has aged quite as well, but that's always a risk, you know, and not, and not every song on every album is going to age perfectly well. And it was fun for the time. And I think it's maybe fun for, for younger listeners. Um, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on this song? I agree. It's, it's not, it's definitely one of my least favorite songs on the album. Um, it's still fun to listen to, but, but I do think with time and, and with the references on the songs, it, it's kind of, um, it had its moment in its time. It's still, if you're in concert, you still go crazy if you played the song. But it's not something that if you're of this generation or, you know, young, that you're necessarily going to learn or, or gain any insight um, from it. But it's just a fun song. It's a fun song. And, and why not have those, you know, a couple of those type of songs on an album as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I think if I'm putting my kind of harsh rap critic hat on, then... I maybe would have capped this album at 10 songs. And, and I know which two I would have removed. Which two would you have removed? I would have removed Kit, What's the Scoop and Lick the Balls. Yep. That's exactly me too. Yeah. <laughs> and, exactly I also, I and I also would have um, made Teacher Teacher track number nine and then mm-hmm. ended on Hey Young World. That's what I've done. Perfect, perfect yeah. sequence. Yeah. 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 Now, now, what do you think of the first... Because initially I wasn't sure, but... The first song being treated like a prostitute as the opening. I think it works. I can't, I mean, yeah, yeah, because it's just such a shock to the system. And, and I guess that's what he was that's trying what to do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it kind of, it yeah. really kind of wakes you up and you're just like, well, hang on, what the hell? You know, it's kind of like what Eminem did really, you know? Um, and, and I think maybe that's what he was going for on Lick the Bulls as well to end on that kind of shocking note. But, but I, I, but I don't, I didn't think there was. Anyway, yeah. Well, well I suppose we'll go in order of, of, of the. Of the yeah, song. well, I, I mean, maybe, maybe if we, if we just kind of focus on Hey Young World, and then the rest of the songs we can kind of do in one fell swoop. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hey Young World is 
again, if we're talking one of the greatest songs in hip hop history, uh, for me it is anyway. Hey, young. World. I wouldn't even. Go, I wouldn't even go in hip hop history. One of the greatest songs ever for me. Hey, young yeah. world. Yeah. Um. Basically, I want to be playing this song when my wife is giving birth. Every yeah. year that my kids, every year on my kid's birthday, it's just one of those songs. I just love everything about it. The way he switches from rapping to going into melody, um, the content, it's so genuine, so heartfelt, so profound, um, so perceptive at the fact he's only 21 years of age and he's already thinking about all these things. And it's almost ironic that the things that happen to him later on in life and the amount of years he spent in prison when this is someone who's created a song like this, you know, mm. and that just shows you that he was just really unfortunate, unfortunate circumstances because he's definitely a brother that was conscious, was aware and understands the world um, around him and what's important and what's not. He definitely had wisdom um, already from a very young age. So to me, this is, if I ever could write a song, this is a song at, for me, that is defines perfection. Like even now, when you listen to like, I know you, people say that um, the world is yours by Nas was influenced by this song. But I even think like Nas, I can was influenced by this song. And you could release Hey Young World today, a hundred years, five hundred years, a thousand years from now, and everything that he's talking about it now. Like yeah, maybe the, the references to whatever drugs will be there in the future will be different, but the fact you being addicted to something will still be you know, a part of, of your, your human makeup. So it, it's, a, it's a perfect song. Yeah, and it's not just about, um, you know, drugs and going down the wrong path. It's also just about being nice to your friends and your family. Yeah, you know, respecting that, that, your elders, respecting yeah. yourself, having yeah. goals, vision, determination, not using the conditions of your environment as an excuse. So many different layers in the song. And yeah. still it, melodic, simple, easy to get on, um, to, you know, to follow and to sing along to. It really is a perfect song. And and it's it's one of those ones that I, like you were saying before, that you don't really hear artists who can replicate Slick Rick. Um, it's because of songs like this, to be honest. Um, yes. You know, obviously something like Children's Story, okay, on a more intricate level. But this, even a song, I don't know, I've just never really heard a, another song like this before because I don't think anyone could just do it again like this. You know, they might, I'm sure someone will try probably Jay fucking Cole or something. But, you know, um, I, I don't know. It's just but, amazing. But- because you, you have to have a sense of depth, but then also humor, yeah? Kind of look at the way world in a cynic, sarcastic way, but then still have a sense of optimism, yeah? So it's, it's like theatrics, it's, it's drama, it's, it's love, it's, pa- it's just morphed together in such a unique blend and package that... Yeah, for someone, again, to have that level of all those different ingredients, you would have had to, you know, grown up in the UK, had Jamaican um, parents, then lived in the US, seen, I mean, all these different aspects of it. And, and, and the fact that he was still able to hold on to his British Jamaican roots, even though he, I mean, he left for the US when he was 11. Mm. But yeah, I suppose by 11, you've kind of already shaped your, yourself quite, quite a bit by your environment by then. Yeah, and I, I think this song is so warm, and it's kind of like 
you get a lot of didactic MCs in hip hop, like KRS One or mm-hmm. Chuck D, and and you know where they're kind of like really forceful and trying to shove their message down your throat. I would say shove in a nice way, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you can't say shove in a nice way. KRS <laughs> man, KRS man, Chuck D. <laughs> anyway, but this is more like <laughs> this is more like an arm around your shoulder and sort of yes. guiding you, and and as opposed to just sort of preaching at you, which is often what a teenager needs. You know, a teenager yes. doesn't always need their mom, mother or their father kind of shouting at them and being like you know come on you gotta do this you gotta do that and putting a lot of pressure on them sometimes you just need to be guided you know and uh, that's what this song is to me um if you talk about teaching then obviously the next song is teacher teacher and after that it's lick the balls so maybe if we can just wrap up those two songs in, in kind of one go um lick the balls for me it's it's a perfectly fine song it's serviceable it kind of keeps the flow going and stuff but I don't know if it was quite necessary at that point. Um, like, I, I actually quite like the beat, but um, I just I just don't really see what the point of it is, to be honest. Yeah, and it's, especially now, like when he's had songs like "Let's Get Crazy," which kind of deals with that braggadocious theme. Um, it it really didn't add anything for me on the album, and and it's probably one of the songs that of the album that that I would skip. Yeah, yeah. Um, teacher, teacher, I think is a good song though. And it's one of those ones that's been sampled a lot um, by... Ver- I think Missy did a version of it almost, or she really sampled it heavily. Um, but but yeah, that that is a good song. I think the beat on that is great. If we're talking also about who who produced the album, um, Slick Rick did a few of the songs himself. Um, Jam Master J did The Rulers Back. And then actually it's Eric Sadler and Hank Shockley. So they're from the Bomb Squad. Squad. Yeah, which is something I always forget. I'm always like, yeah, shit. Because I I was never really into Public Enemy until, well, you know, Rashad is uh, the co-host of this podcast, is a gigantic Public Enemy fan. So we did a series of three three of their best albums. So I urge you to go and listen to those podcasts. He really knows what he's talking about, Rashad, with, with Public Enemy. And um, so getting into their kind of the Bomb Squad were amazing producers. And again, they did a fantastic job, <clears throat> like a really diverse job as well. You know, they've, they've gone from like the moment I feared to teenage love. Like it's, it's really kind of like they can do it all by this point. They were, they were shit hot in 1988 uh, and they only got better really, you know, like once Ice Cube kind of wanted them to produce his album and stuff like that. So, um, and, and Slick Rick doing it himself as well. You know, he did a lot. And then there's Vance Wright. I, I, I always get confused because I always thought that Vance Wright was like an alter ego of Slick Rick, but it's actually another guy um, who, who helped out with the production. So um, from, from what I understand, I don't know if you know any more about that. And, and um, not necessarily in regards to that, but the, I think the fact is you can definitely tell when MCs are also there in the studio really um, working with the producers. And I think Slick Rick definitely is one of those type of artists because um, you can tell also from his vocal production, just how he puts together his flows, his melodies, how he cuts up his, um, his ad libs. Like think about it. This is 1988. And to this date, he probably has some of the best ad libs in, in, in hip hop history as well. You know, also like a lot of the things that Eminem would do later on where Mm. sound effects, I mean, he has that, kind of all throughout the album like so whether it's not only vocal sound effects but actual you know um 
sound effects as well on 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 the tracks to you know to showcase certain elements of what he's actually saying to bring it to life and he continuously does that through all his um different albums that he's had uh, all the four different albums that he's had yeah and you know uh, we could talk about this album for a long long time put it that way we've I feel like we've just scratched the surface of it in this podcast and that that's kind of what I wanted to achieve with it because we could, we could talk about this album in depth for three hours, absolutely no trouble. Um, but I think what we wanted to do is kind of more of a primer for, for the listener that maybe hasn't experienced it before or just to kind of a, a quick recap so they can go and spin it again or if they can make it to a concert in the next year for Slick Rick, then um, let's get to that point. We haven't got too much longer left, but... Um, so, so Slick Rick is playing in London um, on November the 26th or something. I think it's Saturday. Now, we've both got tickets for that. Are you going? Just so do you even want me to, to break down and cry? Because I, <laughs> I, I, I remember when you told me, and this, this is how stupid I was, yeah? I remember when you told me um, Slick Rick is coming to London. So I don't live in the UK. I, I live in Belgium. I bought my Eurostar ticket straight away. I bought the Slick Rick um, <laughs> um, ticket straight away. I was also going to get the meet and greet. I'm just happy I didn't. I didn't buy that straight away because I was meant to be flying out to Thailand like um, on the on the what I thought was the 28th, but it's actually now the 27th. So I probably won't be able to make it. Damn, that's painful. Man. And he's not. He's not playing anywhere else near you. No, I looked. I'm like, <laughs> the worst thing is, is I was actually tempted to cancel my flight to Thailand or to delay it. I was like, you know what? But hey, obviously, Th- I- Thailand will always be there. But we'll slick Rick. You know, I think that's my point. <laughs> that's that's that, that, that's the question. Well, you, I think your situation is even worse than mine. You have well, to explain your situation. Yeah. So it's it's not. Well, I wouldn't say worse, but it's more kind of like completely unpredictable so basically my i've mentioned on this podcast before my wife is pregnant and the due date is literally the day of slick rick's concert so me and my wife have been going going back and forth negotiating what parameters would have to exist for me to be able to go to the concert and also take her little brother who this is one of his favorite three albums of all time and so it's basically son if you're listening from your mother's womb <laughs> like you know I, I know i sort of speak to you and stuff but if you can just feel me telepathically then just come out like either side couple of days either side of slick rate's concert just a couple of days that's all i need you know <laughs> so if she's given birth two days before you would still go to the slick rate concert yeah for sure yeah we've already agreed <laughs> this is, i've got this in writing do you know what do you know what she even said like she's literally like just keep your phone on and if i go into labor then you have to come back so potentially i could even i don't know let's just see what happens the problem is is that listener if you don't know but frequently women tend to start to go into labor uh, in the nighttime because that's when they're more relaxed and and kind of like the the ambience is like that so um so i'm pretty sure that he's gonna go she's gonna go into labor when i'm at the concert i know it i just absolutely as long as he's played hey young world yeah and um, children's story, then then it's fine. But yeah. he'll probably do those as, as his last song. Basically, so. listen, if you can please, Rick, if you're listening, please just start with Rulers Back, Children's Story, and Hey Young World, then after that, whatever. Yeah. Just, just, just let, just, you know. 
So I'm just I'm actually the right thing. I'm fucking gutted, man. I man. really. Like, and also, I had tickets to his show at the Jazz Cafe, like, what, 12 years ago or something like that? I can't remember. Whenever it was, it was like 11, 12 years ago. And um, and that got cancelled because he couldn't get a visa because of the whole jail situation. And now he's finally got his visa, so he really should be here. I actually know the guy who's um, who's sort of doing the, the event himself. Um, so I'm really hoping it all goes ahead. I might not be there. <laughs> yeah, you know what but, we, we you, know, you know you know what we should do. We should because I won't be able to go. We can we can do a, a giveaway of the of the ticket as a prize. <laughs> hey, <laughs> to any of your listeners, great idea. That's a fantastic <laughs> I'm, idea. I'm I'm willing to do that, man. Yeah. So at least at least someone benefits from the ticket. Yeah, definitely. Why not? Okay. Well, um, we're both desperately disappointed that we're not going to make the gig potentially, but this is still one of the greatest albums of all time, and. Um, and like, you know, like I said, we've only scratched the surface of it. And uh, if you've never listened to this before, you've just got to, you've just got to experience it. Maybe you might need to be a little bit younger. You know, if you're like, know, like a 40 year old, then maybe you, you might not have got it or something like that. But, but you've just got to check it out. It's just one of those kind of evolutionary leaps in hip hop where you're just like, how did this person jump from this level to there? Not just themselves individually, but how did they raise the whole game in one kind of, 50 minute album and and forever more effectively as well yeah and and it's also an album which is so pure uh, and also an album of of joy or life you know even the dark parts or the dark moments in or, of some of the songs you still feel that overarching optimism is always there in his music and in every single song of his never do you ever feel like he's you know life is is hard for him or he just has this effortless way of of um making music that I, I i just admire so much and respect as well yeah yeah okay i've just thought of a question right so in jay-z's fade to black film uh which mc borrows chains from slick rick backstage the first person nice. to tweet yeah you know the answer so the the first person to tweet t underscore rebels uh, the Twitter handle will, well, I mean, this is so, so generous of Cage. He's giving away his ticket. So you literally get a ticket for free to the concert. Um, okay. On that note, I'd like to thank uh, Cage Sparks for being a great guest. And um, have you got any sort of final thoughts or shout outs? No, I just want to say uh, once again, many thanks for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. And shout out to all the listeners, man. Keep listening in. It's a great podcast. That's awesome. Right. Thank you very much. And, uh, and yeah, the ruler's back.